0: You're listening to Within Tolerance, a podcast for a machinist by a machinist. I'm your host, Dylan Jackson of Prote Machining, and this week I am joined by Ryan Nolan of Yamazin. Welcome, Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining me.
1: No, no, thank Thanks for having me. I've been uh waiting to uh, join in on this conversation.
0: Yeah. Well I, I know Easton keep kept telling me like, man, you gotta have Ryan on. You gotta have Ryan on. Like we, we talk all the time about all the machines and stuff. You gotta have him on. So I'm really glad that we could make this happen. He's one of my favorite customers because he's the always he's always the guy that goes, "Hey, look what I did this weekend! Hey, check out this! Hey, can I do this? What if I broke this? How much is it?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we have very similar discussions, and like up until the point where it's like, "How much do you think this costs?" And I'm like, "I don't know. Reach out to Ryan or somebody." <laughs>
1: That's pretty much how it is. The day he uh, may have uh, broke his probe, he sent me a photo. I'm like, "Ooh." buddy it's okay it happens to all of us take a deep breath he's like how much is it i'm like "Ooh, sit down
0: <laughs> yeah yeah we he uh sent it to a group chat i'm in as well and we, we all almost said the same thing we're like oh man we're, we're just so sorry like we know where you're at <laughs> there's there's two t- people
1: in the world two types of people people who broke a probe and people who lied about
0: it uh-huh yep exactly well you know i already said you're you're from Yamazin, but real quick what do you do there where can they find you online if they want to follow along all the good stuff
1: well it sounds good so i'm ryan nolan i'm the application engineer for district 8. so district 8 is wisconsin minnesota and both dakotas um our primary focus right now is our main office is in um, menominee falls wisconsin so that's our headquarters that's where i come out of um so my main role is what we call a uh, sales support so when a customer comes to us we either tell the salesman, hey, this is the right course, or hey, back away, we can't do this.
0: <laughs> then one of my
1: other main roles is turnkeys. So right now we have three turnkeys in my showroom that are popping off pretty quick. Then when the machines are done and installed by our service guys, I come in for training. And when I mean training, I'm there in person trying to do my best. And whenever I leave a customer, I give them business cards like, hey, reach out to me, call, text, whatever you want to do. I'm here to answer questions.
0: That's awesome. And, and yeah, turnkeys are always like for me talking to like my apps engineers or past apps engineers, that's always the coolest thing to for me to see is like all the crazy stuff that can be done. You know, I, there was that bar fed R450 a few years ago that Scott did that was like so bizarre. You know, it's it's something I would never have expected a brother to be able to do and then seeing that I was like, oh man, that opens up so many possibilities. That's so cool. So Wisconsin has a big, like,
1: underground brother scene. So, it's like, Easton is, like, a DIY guy. That's why I consider him. He's, like, he knows what he wants. He knows how he wants to do it. But we have so many big companies in Wisconsin that have 20, 40-plus brothers that are still going today. Wow. That's crazy. I had no idea. So we, we have a lot of die casting in Wisconsin. And once again, brothers are perfect for that because they can drill and tap pretty quick. They also can hop in and do whatever heavy machining you want to do on it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, let's get into your backstory then. How did you become an apps engineer? What's your story into manufacturing?
1: So this is a long story. So I actually grew up in a shop. So my father was actually an application engineer for a different company at that time. They were selling Matsuras. So when I was in middle school, I would go to uh, what they call year round. So to go nine weeks on, three weeks off. And those three weeks off, I would go with my dad to work every day run parts, help set up parts, run turnkeys, whatever they were doing that week that they needed me to do. So at one point I was running CMMs. I was doing qualifying of parts. So I kind of was just sucked into the realm. Then in high school, uh, I went to a trade school that actually had a first robotics program. And I got sucked into the whole machining part of it. We had all brand new Miltronics bridge mills. So I was in charge of all the milling. Once I graduated uh, high school, I ended up going to trade school for tool and die. I just happened to be fortunate enough to go to trade school right when the economy kind of like tanked. So I originally went to school for tool and die between 08 and 09. The class ahead of me, no one got a apprenticeship. The class, my class, no one got a apprenticeship. The class after us, no one got a apprenticeship. So I kind of hopped into whatever job I could find. And at the time, I was sweeping floors at a die shop. Then I slowly gained the respect of the owner. Then... The rest is history, and I've been working in the industry for almost 15 years now.
0: Wow, that's I, I had no idea you had that kind of history with the trade. That, that's super cool. Yeah, it's, it's it has always been in our blood. My my
1: father was always hooked into doing numbers and stuff like that. So he, when he first started learning CNC and how to program them, he was running tape machines, mm-hmm. and he still has some of
0: the tape machines. Oh man. Yeah, that's such a blast from the past. Like, I know when I first started in shops, the, the shop I started in had a bunch of Kitamuras with tape drives. You know, they were from 83 to 95. And I remember asking, like, my boss, like, what is that thing? He's like, oh, that's how we used to program these. And I was like, huh? It's it's such a leg,
1: leg, legacy thing that tape drive is still in a lot of the Fanic programming. It's like, oh, you
0: want a tape? No, that no, just means memory now, but it's still there. Right. Yeah, that's it, it, so bizarre. So what kind of, uh, turnkeys was your dad doing back in the day that you got to help with? Ah, uh, so, uh, Harley Davidson's big in Wisconsin, so he, he was doing a lot of the
1: Toyota head milling. So for the V rods, he did all the programming for the V rod, um, crank cases, I believe. So he did single handedly programmed all those machines back in the day, they were using a spree. So it wasn't really designed for what they were doing, but they got it done. So during my senior year of high school, I actually got to go with him to a couple times to Harley because at that time he was a contractor there doing programming for them. So I just I've been just sucked into this world. Um then my first few jobs I got to run Matsura's. Not five axes, just their normal single table machines that they were very famous for with for their palette changers.
0: Right. So were these like the red tigers? Or? No, this is
1: this was the first blue blue and uh, like light green or whatever you want to call their color. Uh-huh. Or whatever the Matsura colors are. So they weren't the quite red ones yet. Okay. But I got uh, to be very fortunate enough to run a Siemens control of that. If you ran a Siemens control on Matsura, it's not fun. Really? I, I yeah. didn't even know they offered them with Siemens control. So every few months or every six months, we get an email from Matsura. I was like, hey, what controllers would you like to see on our machines? And it's either Heimenheim, Siemens, or FANUC. And everybody goes, Hyman, get a Hyman, get a Hyman. Yeah,
0: that's I mean, that's one thing I've told my i salesman is like he's like, oh, you know, I, I hear you want a five axis. Have you looked at Matt Sirius? I was like, yeah, but like, I really want a hide nine. Like, I don't I don't really want a fan for five axis. Everyone I've talked to who runs five axis is like, you can get by with a fanic, but like, hide is made for five axis. Really, they, they can do what 12 axes at once. Yeah.
1: It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. I worked for a company, um, I can tell who it is. It's Intrust. So they make the Unisig line of CNC machines. So they make the deep hole gun drilling machines. They're very popular for oil industry and rifling and gun drilling. So they, all their big, heavy five axis machines that have the multi-axis gun drilling uses Heimhein, And it was just the coolest thing to ever watch go. I mean, it's just such a different controller. So many buttons, it's it's like Siemens M- or NX, where you just need to know how to work it because there's just so many options.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it's, I mean, it, I'm glad to hear that they're asking for recommendations. Whether or not they take that into account, I guess we'll find out. But it'd uh, be cool.
1: Yeah. So um the reason I got hooked up with Yalansen because I left a company that I wasn't quite happy with, and. I love Yamazon. It's a great company. My district has some of the best service guys I think we have. Um, And I really enjoy our service guys, uh, our sales guys too. Sorry, Um, because they listen to me. And if like they're approaching somebody like doing all these weird things, I'm like, okay, they don't need this. They don't need that. They don't need this. Just here. That's what they need. So it's always always great to work toe-in-toe with the salesman. I know a lot of
0: Yamazon offices are not like this ours is definitely special (laughs) no i mean i that was one reason we started down the route of brothers is like we bought a used brother and our salesman and service guys were working on that and helping us get it up and running and and, you know i needed a memory card update so that i could run dnc and they did that And like they were so easy to work with when i hadn't even bought a machine from them then i was like oh you know If this is the level of service I can expect when I haven't even given you a a dime yet, except in parts, like, of course, I'm going to dive into this world. And like, I wanted a speedio anyway, because I thought they were cool. But like this kind of that that whole thing kind of sealed the deal. So I'm glad to hear that it's elsewhere as well. I'm slowly trying to convince the wife to let me buy brother.
1: Slowly. Um, It's not working very well, but (laughs) I'm I'm working on it.
0: You just need like a S300 to fall through on a deal and sit there for a little bit and You know, fit in your
1: garage, right? So I'll give you the the scoop on an S-300. If you really need the floor space, buy an S-300. If you don't need a floor space, buy an S-500. They're probably the same price.
0: Yeah, that's what I've heard. Well, and uh, a friend of mine locally has an S-300 and it is uncomfortably tight in there. Like tool clearances in the carousel. Like it it is, yeah, I was surprised. Well, it has the
1: 500 um, frame or base. It has a 500 base, and it has a 500 table on it. It just has 300 millimeters of travel, so it's like super compact, super lightweight. It, they're fun to play with. It's just if you if you can afford the little extra money for a 500, go with a
0: 500. Yeah, yeah, it. it that's kind of what it seemed like when I saw one. I was like, ah, because I, you know, you always have these like grand ideas of oh man i could stack like two three hundreds next to each other and the space of 700 takes up and that's like two spindles and then yeah you see them and you're like oh man i'm gonna like worry all day about running that drill into the sheet metal when it comes around to tool change. like i don't want to do that no thanks (laughs) the best
1: deals i found on for brothers brand new machines is just hang out a little bit there's probably going to be a good sale on s500 14 tools they're not manually gre- they're manually greased with uh, no cts. They're nice oh. machines. Just if you don't need all the bells and whistles, wait around for it. Right, it's like the the robomate of brothers. Yes it is. It's 100% <laughs> it is. Um so if if I had to pick an ideal machine and like spec it out the way I want it, it would just be a S700. S- it would be cooling through. Um I would get our Yamanson's you know, new coolant pump. It's way better than our old coolant pump. Um, I would not get the light kit. I would not do auto doors. I would get a bloom probe and bloom tool setter
0: and maybe memory upgrade. Maybe. Yeah, I haven't hit that, that limit yet. And with the 8 megabyte program limit before you run into extended memory, like it's kind of null and void unless you really need the extra, you know? so
1: Easton probably can contest to this but he, uh, one of our showroom machines is the S700 and it's like my workhorse everything ends up on it everything gets ran on it I have two touch tool two t- tool touch shutters and a probe and I have about 40 files and each file probably has about 10 to 20 programs in it because whenever a customer sends me a program to run it goes in that machine and just lives in that machine
0: until we sell it so memory is I would definitely get memory Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I usually have maybe three programs loaded and I just cycle them out. Like I use the same program numbers for everything because it's all prototype. So it's like, you know, dump that, put in the next one, overwrite it, call it a day. I'm just a hoarder then, I guess. I
1: I, I, I can't I can't bring myself to delete a program. I'll literally copy and paste a program if I move like two numbers out of place because I'm like, uh eh, just let's not risk it. <laughs> so I,
0: I like data log everything I have. That's so funny. But yeah, it's interesting you said that about the lights, because we did that on our F six hundred. We we just ended up buying actually the, the same lights, the Waldman lights, but we found I found one on eBay that was like new in box for like a hundred bucks. And then I think I got the other one on discount, you know, sale from some other website. But all in I was like four hundred dollars into it, four fifty for two lights and the power supply and everything. So
1: So my favorite conversation I have with um, our sales guys, if they are into a new shop who's looking just to get into machining, so they have maybe a termoc or something like that, I always say, don't spend the money on the lights. And they're like, why? Because you can probably find a different solution somewhere else. Spend your money on holders. If you're going to get started in machining, spend your money in holders. That's where you want to put all your money to begin with. The best holders you can get is going to help you make a better product.
0: Yeah, holders, collets. Nice yeah. pull studs. Don't cheap out on those. Nice pull studs. Always get nice pull studs. If we recommend you a pull
1: stud, please buy that pull stud because yeah. I have been to many of shops pulling pull studs out of draw bars.
0: Oh yeah, I. One of them happened locally, and it was like it's just such an internal cringe thinking about it. Like I, yeah, I. They're, they're not that much more expensive. The only issue I've ever had with the JM ones is sourcing them. Like it seems like. Everybody seems to buy them at the same time, and then they're out for like a month and a half. But That's
1: the we're seeing everywhere, though. We're seeing a shortage trying
0: to get stuff in. OSG is
1: having a hard time getting taps and drills in, stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so my opinion, high accuracy mode, high accuracy mode b too. If you want it, get it. It's completely up to you. I find A and B perfectly fine.
0: Yeah. yeah I think with the new M298 codes, like I've been... I, I love it. Like it, it's a night and day difference from just running the control without a high accuracy mode.
1: Yeah. It, I, everybody's like, well, I really want it. I'm like, do you really want it? Cause it can be added at any moment. If you don't want to go deep in
0: first off, don't, you don't need it. So speaking of kind of off the wall options, there are other options that I have heard of recently that it seems like people don't really know about like the rotary fixture offset board and like that whole thing. And I, apparently there's a sub micron accuracy mode that you can add.
1: There are. So there is a couple of features. So, yes, you have Rodeo fixture offset. You have G68.2. You have a micro fine. So what it actually is, it goes out another decimal place. Right. So you got five decimal places instead of your standard four.
0: Which would be nice, because there have been times where I'm like, ah, one-tenth was not enough comp, but two-tenths might be too much for this, like, pin fit.
1: It comes standard on, w- on W1000 w or the D00. Mm, okay. Because uh, I have it in our showroom. It is a turnkey we are doing. Um, I have made a couple of videos about it. I really do love it. There are some fallbacks to it. Yeah. Um, There's a video to come about that one, and it's pretty funny. But uh, so the things I like about the W1000 and the D00 is that there's apps. So it's not like you think you can go to an app store download. There's custom-made apps that are designed to work better with with the W1000. So right off the bat, the best one I've seen so far is the weight measurement. So the machine will actually figure out how heavy heavy everything is on a table and compensate all your feeds
0: and speeds and your inertia for you.
1: Does so you it, ever feel feel like you overloaded the table this will do the math for you.
0: Yeah, cuz I've on my S700 I am very close to that cuz I've got the orange subplate plus my fourth axis and then you know you start adding on a few orange vices and like I, I did the math and I was like, "Oh, okay." And so I like, you know, went to the parameters and changed it to the high load, but it's like I don't know, did I do this right? Like I think I did it right. And like from everybody I talked to like, "Yeah, I, I think you did it right." But that yeah, it would be cool to have the machine just be like, Yes, I, I did it right for you. Don't worry about it. That's why I bring it up because everyone's like, well, so how do you how, how do you factor
1: this in? I'm like, well, here's the equation, then you need to change this one and this one. Well, this one you just tap, tap, and cycle start. And it's like super done, super easy, good to go. Then they combined the ATC button and the tool data list into one. And it's so good, so awesome, because now they have it integrated into one place. You can easily swap between tools with just a drop down menu and you can literally call it up to the tool change position or to the spindle if you needed to.
0: Right. I saw your video on that and I was like, oh, man, that's that's nice because I think I, I still need to change my tool setting macros. But you did something in Easton's where you call it up under a block skip to the tool change position and then change tools back and then set it. And I was like, that's genius. Like, why did I not think of that? So I I, I appreciate that idea and I'm definitely going to steal it. So uh, talking about that,
1: so I uh, back when the pandemic first started, I know that's probably a dirty word now, but I developed some macros to make my life and customers life easy because we had a lot of customers at that time switching from Haas's to brothers and are like, well, my Haas does this and my Haas does this. Okay, well, I can't do that, but I can get you pretty close to it. So that's what Easton has, what the first generation of any tool, any pod is. So that's my kind of code word for the software. So what it does, it's a very intelligent program that either figures out your tool diameter and realize if it needs to do a multi insert touch or if it needs to run back or it's get a diameter, or if it's just doing an off center touch, it, it does the intelligence for you, but it in the beginning of the program and has that. So you can do batch tooling easier.
0: Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I, I'm definitely going to steal that idea because it, it's not like a giant pain to have to like, you know, on the F I put it in the spindle and then just hit ATC and go up and change it out in front of the spindle because I hate the F and the uh, M series and all that I hate doing the two pots like it's so hard to put it in on either side of the spindle but you know it's it's not a giant pain point but it is just like one of those everyday things that you encounter and you're like oh man i wish this this did it for me
1: yeah a lot of the stuff i've been doing and like teaching and like training our customers is like okay this really bothers me let me show you what not to do it's like the shortcut buttons are the greatest thing ever and a lot of people don't want to use them like use the shortcut
0: but but we know where it is I'm like use a shortcut. it's so much faster I like I, I it's one of the best things I've ever seen in a CNC it's
1: it's one of the things like work smarter not harder yeah, totally that's that's my biggest gripe with the d zero zero. it doesn't have shortcut buttons really it, it they're on the home screen. I'm using quotations there. That's what they call their main screen for the apps. is called the home screen. And you get six of them instead of your normal 10 or 20. Oh,
0: you're killing, killing my night. You're killing that vibe. Ryan. That's one thing I really don't
1: like is it doesn't
0: have shortcuts. Oh, that's so frustrating.
1: But it has a calculator, though. Oh, oh. It makes up for it, right? They can take that back. I'll, I'll trade that for the shortcut button. How about a, an app to draw? We can draw stick people fighting while the machine's running.
0: Oh, okay. I, I will say, you, your, <laughs> your video that showed those two things, the PDF viewers, is, I think, very cool.
1: Um, so I got it to load the print for the customer we're doing for the turnkey. So they can actually call up the print and see it running. So you can actually keep it running above the program. So it's kind of like a window-based thing. I don't know exactly know how it works, but it runs just like any window on top of the operating system. So you can always have the print top.
0: Yeah, which I think that's a fantastic Like You could have setup documents. You could have all that stuff in the machine. But yeah, um, man, take your calculator and your drawing program and give me my shortcut buttons back. I was like, I was going through everything. I was getting used to
1: controls. I'm like, where's the shortcut button? Where's the shortcut button? This can't be. Where's the shortcut button?
0: <sighs> well, I, I will say, though, Despite not having that button, I am glad there are still buttons on the D zero like I'm glad they didn't go all touchscreen and pull like a DMG or something like that would have driven me insane. So I've been switching back between the S 700 we have in the showroom and the W 1000
1: daily now and I'll walk over the 700 and start pounding on the screen thinking (laughs) I can touch things then I'll go back to the W 1000 not remembering there's a full touchscreen keyboard and start typing in like with the shift key and go oh man. But that's one thing I love the full keyboard, man. It takes it takes everything out of it because you can just like type away on it.
0: That's that's really cool. All right. Well, since we're talking about it, what are your top, I don't know, three best things and three worst things about the W 1000 and the D (sighs) zero?
1: My top ones are it is significantly faster. There are new motors, they're based off of kind of a Tesla motor so they kind of get their energy back while moving. I don't know exactly the technical term, a sales guy can probably
0: recite it for you but they are great motors. That's insane that it's somehow faster because it they, the tool changer is it is scary fast now. Well, I know Easton was telling me when he saw it that it was disconcertingly quiet too. Like, there's it not is that. It's very line. quiet. Yeah, that's weird. It is very quiet. Um,
1: another great thing that I love about it is uh, you could run me- uh, sub programs in MDI. Ugh. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> I'm so ready to get one in a showroom so I can start playing around with writing actual tool setting programs that you can just use MDI instead of having a full program. I'm looking forward to that. And the last thing that I, I think we cannot ever not live without is there is a machine parameter adjustment. So you can keep a default default high accuracy mode on with just a tab of a button. It's just drop down menu, you select what you want to do, and it goes.
0: Yeah, um, having to follow Greg's white paper to enable M298 on all my other machines, that would be very nice. So I installed the S700...
1: X2, and it had all the parameters set ready to go from the factory. Oh, really? Yeah, it shocked me. I was up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin at Rip's garage. Steve Rip, if you ever get to talk to the man, genius guy. He's like just buying brothers left and right. I think he has five of them now, but he just he loves them too. He loves them. Um, So when I was up there and we were starting to put the stuff in for high accuracy mode, he's like, yeah, don't do it. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, it's there already. I'm like, no,
0: it's not. You're playing with me. (laughs) I went in there, like everything was set perfectly. Interesting. That's really cool. So, for, for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, the X1 brothers, so like my S700, Easton's S700, all the first generation S series machines, have a high accuracy mode that's much easier to use, but is completely not populated from the factory. Like, it shows up and everything's blank, and you got to use the old codes that are significantly slower, in my experience. Um, and you have to go through the manual or, you know, pass guests to the podcasts. Greg from Luma Labs has a white paper that went through all of that stuff and and talks about it and you populate them all yourself. And then all of of a sudden your machine has, has changed and it is much better. So hearing that they are now populated is a breath of fresh air for sure. So I can confirm it's on the
1: 700s and 500s. Um, course, we don't have a 1000 anymore. So it's the W. So that's completely different system. I'm still learning the high accuracy mode on that. I cannot say for sure if it's on the 450s or the yet, Because we just got one in the showroom, I have to turn it on and check. But I can definitely post about it if it does.
0: Okay, very cool.
1: So the three things that I honestly could live without on the W 1000. The hand wheel sucks. It is it feels cheap. It has a Deadman switch you have to use. The cord is maybe a foot long, so you don't get that nice long reach into the machine. So if you're doing anything in the machine, it's like you're pulling against the controller. I don't like it at all. It's way too short.
0: That's interesting. So is it the brother branded one by Sancio?
1: It is is required now because it has the Deadman
0: switch on it. Uh, That's unfortunate to hear because I know my old job but they ordered three s700s a while ago and they got two with the sankyos and one with the world industries one and when i ordered the f600 i put it in my po that it would come with the world industry one because i under no circumstances wanted the sankyo one
1: the gray ones the gray silver ones are so good they they look cheap but they are tanks. I mean, I have dropped them outside of a machine. I have dropped them before. I have kicked them on accident. There are tanks. It's just this new one doesn't feel like that quality like you should have in your hands. when You're like playing with your $100,000 machines. I don't even know how much the machines are, but it doesn't just doesn't feel like the Cadillac you Cadillac you just bought. It doesn't feel right. Right. Yeah,
0: that's unfortunate. All right.
1: Now, so this that's one. Now the second one. Um, if anybody out there has ever ran any of the new Mansuras, there is a setup key you have to
0: turn on and off to do anything.
1: The brothers now have that too.
0: So I saw that there's like the service position and all of that too, to it. It's not great. So you, the doors
1: lock automatically. I can't find a way to disable them. So when you're in auto, unless you're in memory, the doors are locked with the doors open, the hand wheel doesn't work at all. Really? Then in setup mode. The doors can be open, but you have to hold the dead man switch. To move the axes.
0: So when it, when it's running a program, can you open the doors like you can now and use it as a pause button for the program? You're funny. <laughs> So, no, so, it doesn't no. work. Oh, you're Stop. killing me. That's a, the other like secret sauce to the, how awesome the brothers are.
1: No, it, it's, and I've been digging for days through the PLCs to find to disable these keys. Now, so there's two switches. So, there's an uh, auto switch that lets you run the machine, you let you run programs. So, anything that has a program that needs to run has to be in this auto key. No questions asked. You can't run programs in anything else. Then there's another set of keys that's setup and service. So service, once you switch it over, you can move the machine around with the door o- doors open completely fine. You cannot turn the spindle on. You can't use MDI. You can't run a program. Nothing. Then setting is where you can use the demo and switch to move the access around. Once again, nothing in MDI, nothing in memory, nothing. Ooh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> so it works great for production if you're running production, the doors unlock after every M- M- M30 it doors unlocks. So you can load another part and close the doors, hit cycle start again you're good to go
0: right, yeah, it, the, the problem for me is that 80% of my time is set up and 20% of my time is running programs
1: <sighs> so the last thing that I really don't like about the W1000 is the one I have is going to its home it's, it's leaving me. Oh, no. I can't play with it anymore. It's leaving next week. Do you have any more slated to come in in the next year? <laughs> so the story about the W-1000, before they get unloaded from the ship, they're already sold. So if you want a W-1000, you're going to be waiting for it to get on a ship, then off a ship before you could even <laughs> see it. So the answer is no. Oh, no. But I will have three being installed in uh, my district this year. That's good.
0: You'll at least get to say hi.
1: Yeah, I could say hi, you know, like shake hands, maybe like part ways. But um, I think the W or the D00 controller is a good step in the right direction. They could got, they could get rid of a lot of the old legacy stuff from C0 and B0 and not just not include it. But it's still there. Um, it's clunky. Touchscreen is very responsive. It works really well with coolant on it. It just hangs up sometimes. So when you tap on something, you can feel like a leg on the controller. So it, mm. it, it it doesn't feel as smooth and as snappy as the C-Zero, mm-hmm. but it, 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 it's, it's what they're going to be using. So I don't know what the game plan is, but the word on the street is it's going to be coming to the single table, smaller machines, either this year or next year, then pallet changers after that.
0: Oh, okay, interesting. Oh, so going back real quick to your other point. MDI, you said we can run macros now. Is there multi-line MDI? There is up to 250 lines. Ooh, that's really nice. 250 lines. That, that's and 250 times better than what I have now. So well, you have the previous
1: and and the last one buttons so you can go back and forth and run those.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> That, that's not a quick program that I can edit, but yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let's go into one of the questions or a few of the questions from um, some of our, my listeners just to switch gears into Matsura land now. So John Fedig has a lot of questions about the Matsura five axes. Specifically, I think he's looking at the 330 and the 520. Uh, his first question was, what type of rotary drives are on the five axes?
1: So, the, all the Matzeros are fanic controls, so I'm, I'm guessing Harry he knows that, so we're not talking about that. I do believe some of them are roller bearings, I do believe some of them are worm gears, so it all depends on what you get. Um, we recently installed two 520s recently, and they both had different manufacturings of the Axie tables. So the what? trunnions were made by two different people.
0: Wow, I had no idea. That's so, really
1: there is a roller bearing one, and there's a worm gear, so it all depends which one you get.
0: And is that like part of a package or something like a high accuracy package you'll have the roller bearing or it's whatever supplier was there that day to put the liver tables. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then his next question was about t- max tool length. So that it's, I guess they have a 300 millimeter max tool length. And he I was asking if there's any fudge factor and he was telling me he's got like a super long inch and a half drill or something. That's also like in an inch and a half long holders. I, I, I don't remember the full details, but basically it adds up to like a 310 millimeters.
1: So you are hard limit because of the way the door works for tool changing.
0: Okay. So as it drops down, it'll hit yeah. the... Okay. That's unfortunate, but you know, at least There are some really cool videos out there. I gotta
1: find some and share them one day. But there is a Matsura that Matsura has at their factory that actually uses the second pallet of the machine to hold its all its long tools. So it'll pallet change in, put a tool away, grab a new tool, then pallet change back out. It's still on continue cut.
0: I, I saw that one. It, it's uh, the Matsura factory tour. Um, I'll, I'll try to put it in the show notes if I can find it. But it's super interesting because I think that's a, like a cell. Um, a like it's got like 40 pallets in that. And it'll just swap in the tool changing pallet that's got crazy long drills. Grab it, swap the next pallet and drill or whatever.
1: It was really cool. So my understanding of what MatSero was and how they became their powerhouse they are was it wasn't always 5-axis. It was pallet chain systems. That's what MatSero was. When you were buying a MatSero machine, you were getting a pallet chain style of something. So then they just incorporated all that technology and all that years of learning and doing what they're doing into 5-axis. Now they're, I think, one of the better 5-axis pallet machines out there.
0: Okay. And uh, what's your opinion On the 330 with like the PC 10 because we've had, I've had guests on that have had it. I've talked to a lot of people. There's been lots of pictures of them dropped on their sides. You know, what is your overall impression of the 330 um, as an entry level pallet changing 5-axis? If
1: you're going to get an entry level 5-axis, get a 520. Oh, really? 330 is just a little small. Okay. Um, We have a few customers who have a 330. Um, and also we have a customer who has the MAM 7235 which is a 330 but a MAM style. Um and they wish they went bigger. Really?
0: Okay. Because it just gives you that much more freedom. That makes sense. But uh, it's really interesting to hear. Um that the MAM series is by far the coolest option I think in their fa- you know five axis offerings like it's just such a nice package with the tower of ballots versus the PC 10 where it's all kind of a train of pallets. You gotta look into
1: the L series from Matsura, the linear motor machines.
0: I where have, they can uh, have
1: 90 90 pallets up to 120 if you really want to.
0: Uh-huh. There there's on KD Capital, which I always, you know, I'm looking at used machines even when I have no intention of buying them. They have a 2015 LX160 with the tool matrix. I think it's either the 90 or the 120 pallets. Um, it is like fully decked out. And I was like, oh, that's such a killer machine. Like, that would be so cool. It is so quick. They're a brother with a five
1: axis. They are so quick. They're 30 taper. They're just so smooth, too.
0: That's nuts. Yeah. Linear motors. They're, they're linear motors everywhere, right? Rotary and all axes. Yep. All axes. That's nuts. That's crazy. Um, all right. So his next question was about synthetic coolants because I, him and I were talking. He was looking at possibly going to Synergy. Uh, I had told him like I had, had the issues I had had with it. I told him about how Yamazin won't allow them in Brothers. You know, from what everything I had heard, it's part of your checklist that you have to tell the customer not to use synthetic coolants. And so his question was, is that the same with Matsura's from you guys? Uh, so I will never stop anybody from putting any coolant
1: in their machine once again it's your machine it's whatever you feel works best for you it's whatever your process will work if you need to run oil run oil that's completely up to you I can't tell you no I can't influence anybody in the past to stop working on your machine if you have to go in for service but if you want to run a certain coolant run a certain coolant The synthetic does eat grease we all know that and because the brothers are not closed ways it's gonna eat the grease off the ball screws so that's why we don't recommend it for the brother Matt's is a different story because sometimes those box ways and the linear ways are kind of closed a little bit better than us um, I really don't want to give a recommendation without really knowing but it's a horse of peace Coolant's coolant doesn't really matter to me Um probably does have a re- recommendation once again I won't stop anybody from putting coolant in the machine
0: well, so let me ask the question differently. Have you had any service calls due to synthetic coolants directly?
1: No. Um, we have a very big customer that's super local Toro office, and they have 27 brothers, and they run synthetic coolant. And you can tell because all the paint stripped from the inside of the machine. But what they're doing, it works beautifully. They get increased tool life. I mean, it, it's a horse apiece. I mean, there's a little bit more PMs they have to do to keep it running, but when you can get a trade off like that, do it. Okay,
0: I think that's a great answer. Uh, and then his last question, which I'm, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this is like a Matsura style integrated pallet loader versus a robotic pallet loader system like a Trinity or UR integration or, you know, any of the companies, you know, AWR, any of those out there.
1: So the way Matsura teaches the apps guys, if you're doing an automated cell, don't do a pallet system. If you're going to be loading a Matsuro with a robot, get a single pallet. You don't need the pallet changer because it adds way too many safeties. It's way too slow. The pallet changers are great, but 95% of the time a robot could be
0: way faster. Okay. So you so, see the pallet changers more as a high mix, low volume kind of exactly, thing? Exactly. Exactly. If you're running lights out and you want
1: to keep everything set up, ready to go so you can just walk away and pound out parts, pallet systems, way to go.
0: Okay. That's, that's very interesting and, and a good good thing to to know do you guys do a lot of robot pallet loader like you know trinities or anything like that so, rob- uh, so Yamazon has its own
1: automation department um oh right so you the flex and the flex that. and all that stuff um that's all I'm gonna say about that and we're gonna move on to the next question
0: <laughs> okay okay actually somebody who listens to the show, was messaging me. He works for one of the companies that m- makes some of the FlexSell stuff for Amazon, which I thought was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, there are
0: they. The concept's great. <laughs> great. All right. Well, uh, the next question we had from Lattice Fallinger was: Is your social media, so your Instagram, is that something that like was spurred on by Yamazin? It has an economic effect. Or was this just you having fun?
1: So long story short, um, uh, my daughter, I just recently had a daughter and she's six months and like the first two weeks, they don't explain this to you, but it's like stress heaven and you're like super anxious and it sucks. So I was up every moment of the day. So during that time, I was making videos for internal Yama's and use for like setting up tool setters and all that kind of stuff. Then it kind of spiraled out of control there. Then I roped my wife into running all my social media, so I don't have to deal with any of it. So I just make the videos and she does the, all the grunt work, I guess. So, I mean, if it becomes something better, maybe, I mean, I love Yama's and forgive me the access to the machines. They haven't complained about it yet, but I feel that's coming sooner than later. But I I have a lot of fun with it. Honestly, that's the main reason I keep doing it is because I want to share this information with everybody. We have a culture in Amazon where we don't share much. And I want to
0: change that. I appreciate that, definitely. I mean, I know when I was getting into Brothers, it was because of other people on Instagram that I even started looking at them. Like, I had never even heard of them, really. And then I was like, wait, the printer company? Like, the the sewing machine company? They make machines and then like started going down that rabbit hole. But like, had I not seen it on social media, I don't know that that's where I would be right now. And there's,
1: I don't know if it was something that happened before I came on board at Amazon, but it feels like there was a lack of transparency from after the machine was bought to, I have questions, where I go to? Is there a research I can go to? Is there videos like, ha, where, where can I learn this stuff? And because we're only a single app guy in each of our um, districts, we can't answer all the questions at once. So that was the main reason to make videos like, hey, look, here's a simple thing. I know things happen. You probably forgot this one thing during
0: training. Here's a video quick, easy so you can learn about it. Yeah, that's awesome. And like, yeah, it, it seems like because the brothers are so configurable as far as IO and stuff too, everyone has a slightly different flavor of how to do it. So you talk to two different brother owners and they're like oh no, my probe is hooked up totally different. Or like my macros are just slightly different than yours. What are you talking about? You don't know how much of a headache that is. Hey,
1: I have a problem with my probe. Okay, cool. Can you do this? Yeah, I don't have that program. What do you mean you don't have the program? How is this probe working? How, wait, send me everything from your machine. Let me, what is going on at this machine? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely an interesting thing. It's, it's like, that's why I started doing like the macro program so it's like kind of open source if you guys want to modify and tweak it and send it back to me we will release it in a new flavor or something because just trying to make it easier and more presentable for you guys is the, probably the best way to do it
0: yeah yeah well I mean we're all going to get together behind the scenes regardless it, it is definitely nice to have somebody behind the curtain also talking to us and, and understanding the struggles for sure I'm also a huge nerd so, I love the brothers. I mean, if I
1: once again can convince my wife to sell one of her kids to get this <laughs> machine, I will. Awesome. I mean, uh, it's, it's a matter of time before I ended up one in my garage.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, yeah, they're out there. Uh, so, speaking of brothers, last question from Beige Power is How does the F series, R series, and W series compare in stiffness? Are the differences noticeable when being confined to a 30 taper? So I got a question for you. How uh-huh. do you like your F? I love it. Okay. I, I like it better than my S, I think.
1: I have yet to even touch an F. Okay. I the So the main reason we don't bring them in in volume like we do the S series is because they don't think we can sell enough of them to keep the price down.
0: Yeah, so well, I know at the list price I was quoted, they're not worth it. Like, I... I don't think any, I, I like the the list price I was given puts it very much up into middle to higher end forty taper machines, and I don't think that it's comparable there. But I do think that it's a fantastic machine, and I wish they could bring the price closer to the S because then I would buy a bunch more.
1: I, I see the F sticking around for maybe a few more years. Um, it's a great concept because you have everything that you get all. Out of an r series so you have the nice column and you have the nice tool changer that goes around you get the extra tool um but you get the 700 table which isn't big
0: right i feel like that machine should add a thousand table or something i i wouldn't say no to a thousand that's for sure um it is a giant machine though like it is a very big machine for what it is yeah it, it is almost double the size of our s700
1: it's uh, I was told that it's the same size as a 650 with the 42 attachment mm-hmm. wide. It, it's a chunker.
0: Yeah. But as far as like rigidity and all of that, I, I know I've been told that apps guys have said, Oh no, there's no, no rigidity difference. I think it's much more rigid. Like it sounds quieter in the exact same cut. I have the same tool holders, same tools in both machines. Both are 10 K high torques. One is much quieter than the other. I get much less deflection on deep length of cuts. It seems like um i personally, I think it's a lot more rigid than the s
1: so the story where I was told about this is before I came on board was they did testing in Schomburg and they weren't seeing the results uh Japan was seeing
0: yeah that that's my machine too that they were doing the testing on. So you you got that machine, huh? Yeah, I got the last F. I've, I've, I'm one of three people in the U.S. to have it. So, so
1: my my opinion is is I have not seen a difference between an S and an R. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the 40 tool R650 because I'm a lazy millennial and I don't like taking tools out of the tool changer. It's just <laughs> if I need my edge finder, it's tool 39. Call it up, we're good to go. The only thing that sucks about the R series compared to the S is the dead zone. It's almost nine inches from the table to the spindle nose. That's Mm -hmm. a pretty big gap. I always find a better result roughing and finishing in the X direction. So going along with the ball screw, I always found a better finish. and I can rough a little bit harder. Big plus and non-big plus. I can't tell a difference. Really? I I have tried my best. I've seen similar cuts in both steel and aluminum and stainless. I, I can't tell the difference.
0: Huh. That's really interesting. I mean, I don't have a non-BBT speedier to test with, but that's really interesting. Um, the big plus
1: are great. I mean, the high torque demo we do on the big plus high torque machines, the big drill, the was it uh 40 mil drill we slammed through a piece of steel. Is that's not a big plus holder. The end mill we go around the outside of it, that's not a big plus. It's just standard holders.
0: Hmm. That's really interesting. That's that's very interesting.
1: So yeah. if if I have to say which is more rigid, it's really hard to tell because it's
0: based off of what you're doing and how you're doing it. So then maybe a better question is S versus W. S versus W. Are you noticing any because I don't know if the casting is exactly the same as the S1000 was or have you noticed any improvement? So I have to clarify
1: my W1000 I have in our showroom. It has a 350 millimeter riser on it. So it has <laughs> almost double the stroke and Z. So no, I haven't seen a difference.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, when you have the wet noodle Z that you have on yours, I guess we'll wait until you have another turnkey with a, a standard table
1: one. Yeah, but I mean, the casting looks very identical. I mean, it's the same thing about the S, the X2 and the X1 castings for the S series. Pretty much, they just added more ribbing and dr- added drilled and tapped holes for the
0: robot. I mean, they're pretty identical. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I will say, I mean, since you're a brother nerd, you'll probably appreciate this. It seems like the F was used as a test bed for a lot of the features that en- ended up in the X2. Like I've got the doghouse, way covers on Y. I've got the center, washdown line underneath the Y axis. There's a lot of little touches that I've seen on X2s now that I'm like, hey, my F has that. That's cool. Yeah, uh, Easton called us one day. He's like, hey, can I get the
1: new uh, way covers for Y? I'm like, no. He's like, are you sure? (laughs) I'm like, no. It doesn't work that way. It'd be nice. I'd do it on my S700 if I could. I mean, I I, I love the concept behind the F600. Is it going to stick around as a main model for a while? I doubt it.
0: Yeah, I don't think um, so either.
1: Um, it's great for a big five axis. If you throw it up there and call it a day. But other than that, it was designed for battery housings for electric cars. That's the story from Japan.
0: Oh, really? So they can get
1: the trunnion up there and have room. Because once again, you have the 700 table, which is almost 800 millimeters, if give or take on that thing. No, it is 700 because you get 600 millimeters. So that is correct. So you have room for your indexers on
0: both sides. So you can run a trunnion through it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I will say that that's the other thing that I really like is I like the table only moving in Y. Like it's a lot less to deal with. Like the, the tool setter, I don't have to worry about cables, you know, flopping around I run some vacuum work holding on there and it's like hey I don't have to worry about like is my lead long enough on the vacuum work holding them not going to rip it out when it homes it's just like there you know it's the same length all the time
1: now if you were going to ask me if I like the m140 x2 to the m200 the m200 is way better oh yeah we haven't even talked about the m that's for sure the m200 is way better um and the reason is, is I can just walk up to one of them and just turn the axis brakes on and off and it feels, it feels beefy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i worked on an uh, X2 M140 and like you're able to torque out the C, just torquing down work holding on that thing. Yeah, it's it, it's a noticeable clunk
1: turning those brakes on and off, which you didn't have in the M series or the M140.
0: Yeah, if only it, you know, had uh, dynamic work offset and uh, you know, bigger tool changer, that would be a killer app right there. Bigger
1: t- tool changer, maybe full five axes. I mean, that machine has the capability of doing it. The, c- the control definitely does, cannot handle it, but it's definitely possible.
0: What, what, what was that machine made for even? Because it seems like such an odd thing. So,
1: The reason brothers started to begin with anyways is because they couldn't find a machine that could keep up with their sewing machine lines. They couldn't find a machine that would be able to do the die cast fast enough. So that's where they created their brother machine. Then the story goes is Toyota came to them, I think the early 2010s and like, hey, we have this one part. We need a machine that can turn, but way more milling than turning. Do you have something? So it was originally designed to do an alternator cover. Which is why that's the demo for them pretty much always. That's why it's always the demo.
0: It's always a motor housing. It's always like
1: a swirl cage or something like that.
0: Okay. That's interesting. That makes a ton of sense for sure.
1: And if if you're getting into a brother and you want a five axis machine or you want to buy an S-series with a table with a five axis table on it, go to M-series. It's built in. It's ready to go from the factory. And also you get turning capabilities.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I will say, I mean, the only realistically if the M series had dynamic work offset or tool center point control, I would, I would get one ASAP, you know, but like doing second op stuff, unless you're dead nuts on the center, that's where it becomes like a little bit of an issue. There's some really cool stuff. Um,
1: The Facebook's brothers page. Some of the guys are coming up with some very creative ways. I know a guy is mounting a vice to the front of the machine so he can do first op and second op on one machine. Really? Yeah.
0: The, so, the you know, front of like the, a hu-
1: the front of the yeah. machine
0: where front of the trunnion. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. So just like the Haas does on whatever their UMCs, probably you can add that secondary vice. Mm-hmm. That's what he's pulling off. And it looks good. It looks very good. That's cool. I like that. I don't That's know really if neat. it's going to last. That's kind of a, a
0: interesting place to mount a vice. Yeah, that that I mean, it's already not the strongest fourth axis, you know. It's it's not a, a full giant, you know, uh, gear drive or something like that. But that that'll be interesting for sure.
1: Well, they're all roller bearing uh, drives, so it's just like the T two hundred. Which, by the way, if you're gonna get an indexer, get a T two hundred.
0: Yeah, they're scary fast, but they're so reliable. It's crazy how accurate is. I, I finally. I have a T200, not the A, and I just got a part set up on there recently. And like, I couldn't believe how repeatable it was. Like, you know, indicate something flat within 50 millions, rotated 360, rotated back 360 the other way. Like, you know, rotate it like five times, come back to zero and it's dead nuts again. It's like, this Uh, is nice. (laughs) We have a big company who their main flagship for any project they're
1: ever going to do is R450 with, T200s and the brakes on it that's that's like their staple that's what they're going to always going to fit their parts to and they used to have nickens. they're like we're never going back I because it's it. it's smooth it's reliable and they just don't break um, I don't know how long the t two hundred hundred's been out but we had only two or three major problems
0: I know about for the T200s that's I mean for the amount that are out there that's pretty great for sure So let's talk Yamazon as a whole. You guys also represent, what, Takasawa? What other brands do you work on? And and what are some of your favorite or highlights? So we, so Yamazon as a brand,
1: we carry Brother. We're the sole importer of Brother for the United States. We also carry Matsura in most places, not all. We also have Takasawa in most places, but not all. And we also have NIDAC. NIDAC is is... Is the old Mitsubishi heavy machinery division? Okay. They got bought by NIDAC. Okay. So those are like big gantry mills, stuff like that. So we have the gantry mills and we also have the cylindrical grinders. Okay. So if someone would go, came to me and like, I want, I have a million dollars. What should I buy? Buy a 520 and a, a 700. We will support you day in, day out on those machines. Those are one of the highest selling machines we sell. So the S seven hundred
0: and the five twenties are
1: the go to machines. Interesting.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I, I it seems like the three thirties pushed a lot, but like you said, you, you like the five twenty more. I like the five twenty more because once you have
1: play when once you've seen a three thirty, you're like, okay, I like it, but it's a little small. It's because you have, I think, twelve by twelve spear. That's that's the cylinder that's what you get to play with which right. doesn't seem like a lot
0: no well and in looking inside Matsura's in general have always felt very cramped inside like I've worked on like a V plus 550 um, like all, all of those like they just feel like they're very utilitarian I guess is the better way Um, and like the only Matsura I've ever run that feels spacious inside was not really built by Matsura the, the V VX1000 and yes, that is it, very it, true. Granted, that that machine is interesting in its own regard. But um, I actually didn't hate it. It just there was some weird stuff again, like key stuff, like to change a tool on a VX 1000. It's like I got to twist this key and press this button and open this door and then press this button. It's like 18 steps to like put a tool in the spindle.
1: Did that matter? I have a handyman built in. Yeah, it did. Oh, my God. Handyman. <laughs> that still exists is, is, exists today on most of the master roads, but it's not called handyman anymore, but it's a step-by-step process on how to recover the machine that works
0: 7% of the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, I've used it and like, it, it's got some interesting things, you know, it's got a high ac- accuracy mode and it will walk you through that and it'll walk you through tool life management and all that. But like, man, it, it just, yeah, it, it's such an interesting disconnect, it feels like, between the people who designed the machine and the people who actually used it. It's like anybody who had had ever put a tool in the spindle on a VX one thousand, you would know that, hey, man, maybe we should change this a little bit. Like maybe you don't need to like turn the key into setup and then click the operator door unlock and then like, you know, hold my you know, pat my stomach and rub my head and put the tool in at the same time. That's one thing I don't know about new machine designs.
1: I don't want a button to unlock the door. I just want you to unlock it when you're done doing something dangerous. The spindles off. Let me unlock the door. I don't need a button. Right.
0: And, and it like the machine knows when the door is open anyway. So like it's not to let the machine know that it, you need the door open. It's just it seems completely superfluous. Every single Matsura has a door button.
1: And while training people on Matsura, 95% of the time, every time they go open the door, they're trying to rip the door off the machine because they keep forgetting, oh, I got unlocked door. <laughs> I have been one of those people for sure. <laughs> um, Takasawa's have those too. They're, those are getting into their TS lines. So all their uh, mill turn lines, I guess they're called. Mm-hmm. They're in the C axis, lay the sub, but they're going to that style too. where there's a big giant button that says door release. I'm like, OK, I don't I don't need that button. Just unlock the door for me.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, before we move on to the next segment, um, do you have any fun apps engineering stories? It seems like every time I've got an apps guy on or I'm talking to him, they have like very interesting problems that most people wouldn't have heard about. Oh, I I have a lot of good stories, but I don't know if I'm
1: legally allowed to say them because we do a lot of, so I do a lot of NDA stuff. So a lot of stuff I do, I can't talk about the company who does it, what the product's for, or who's the product's for. Um, We have a couple of companies that are local that are really good customers, They're by maybe a brother a month. So... So one day I got a call. Maybe it was 630. He goes, Ryan, do you have your pants on? And of course, I'm already in bed. I'm like, no. He's like, call me back when you get to the office. I'm like, <laughs> so I get to the office and he's like, is there any way to force the coolant on button on M series or on the speedios? I'm like, yeah, we can write a quick macro for that. Or he's like, no, I want it hard on. So if the coolant button's not on, the machine can't run. I'm like. What happened? He's like, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, no. <laughs> so it turns out his operators forgot to turn the cooling button on. And what the product they make is they rip through so much aluminum. You walk through the shop it's just an instant hum because there's just so much material coming off all these machines. He melted the end mill into the part. Like mm. you couldn't tell where it entered, where it ended. It was just melted.
0: Oh, no. So did you find a way to have the machine error out without the coolant? Oh, yeah. If if anybody's
1: interested into setting up your PLC to alarm out if the coolant button's not on, give me a call. Shoot me an email. I'll probably give it to uh, Dylan to throw in the the notes, but it's super easy to do. We do it on most machines now.
0: That's great. That's really nice. Because I know having it where the uh, CTS pressure builds... Like that's all built in and having that alarm is like super handy. Super, super handy.
1: Um, so it's stuff like that. Like I get there's a couple of stories where they're like, so how fast can we get a spindle? What did you guys do?
0: Yeah, I know when I first got my machine, I was looking at like the Illuminators and um my apps engineer texted me like after I was talking about it, I think either on the podcast or on Instagram. And he was like, just so you know, I have an extra high torque spindle ready and waiting for you. And I was like, thanks dude. Appreciate the the vote of confidence. The thing is like, like Easton's like,
1: I want a big plus spindle. I'm like, dude, just, just buy one. We'll put it in for you. He was like, but I kind of want to blow the spindle up first. Then I'll buy it one. Like, <laughs> actually, that's not a bad idea. If you have a standard spindle and you destroy it, we could put a big plus in there. Right,
0: you might as well. Like, if you're already buying a spindle, you're already paying to get it put in imbalance. Like, you might as well. Then I got another good one. I got a, a phone call this
1: morning. I didn't even get on the freeway yet for my house, and the guy goes. So what happens if you run the machine when the pallet's not locked in position and it's sideways? (laughs) It shouldn't do anything. He's like, yeah, that's what I thought it would do, too. It didn't. (laughs) So I call my boss. I'm like, hey, so-and-so having a big problem. Apparently, it's running while the pallet change rotated. So I got everybody on high alert. We're all prepped to go in and start diagnosing what's happening because we custom made the ladder. We didn't hear anything for like three hours so at lunch. I call him like, hey, what's going on, guys? He's like, yeah, the operator ran the indexer into the table. We're good.
0: Oh, no.
1: So the wall on a R six 650 and 450 could be so close to the T200s that if you have anything that's larger than the rotation of the indexer, it will smack that wall. And it will smack that wall hard.
0: Oh, jeez. Well, okay, so in, in this same vein... Um, what about worst crashes you've seen as an apps guy?
1: So this was before my apps times. I was working at a place that did a lot of aluminum fans. So we had a couple of VTLs and I don't know what happened, but I was in the CMN room and all you heard was the world ending. The fan he was running in his VTL lifted up out of the jaw, bounced around, bounced around inside the machine found the weakest point, which was an access panel, went through the panel, started rolling down the aisle, made it a good 200 feet, then landed into a brick wall. (laughs) They were Caterpillar, like, I think, alternator fans or something. They were massive. They were 32 inches. And this thing just took off. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Then, uh. Then another good one was I was at a different company and we had Haas machines and I was the programmer slash manufacturing engineer and we're running this new part on this machine and the operator doesn't like doing anything new. So I'm like, did you touch this off? He's like, yeah, I touched it off. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I did. Don't you trust me? I'm like, not really. But did you touch it a little bit? (laughs) He's like, yeah, I touched it off. Hit cycle start. Drove the tool right into the chuck on a spindle like going 4,000 RPMs and it was just like, I have never seen someone take jaws off of a chuck so fast. And the door was open too; door was completely
0: open the whole time. Oh my goodness. I, I love that that's many of our first reactions when you do a big crash is just to like dismantle anything that shows signs of the crash. You're like, I got to take the tool out of the tool holder. I got to like pull the pull stud out. I got to pull the vice out. I got to clean it all out. Like, you know, it just seems like the instinctual habit of like, let me get rid of all of the evidence outside of the machine.
1: So I got really good at that. So I used to be a lead man for a shop where we ran third shift and a lot of shit happens on third shift because Everybody's tired and everybody wants to go home. So everything happens. Everything goes wrong. And I got to the point where I'm really good at it. When, when I heard a noise, I walk home I'm like, okay, are you okay? And most of the time they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm like, okay, go have a cigarette, go get a soda. Let's come back to this like 20 minutes from now. Let's just take a break because right now us dealing with this is not going to be beneficial for anybody.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you try to fix a mistake when your adrenaline's rushing like that. And you end up just making more problems for sure. Oh, then I got
1: to a point where I squashed it because anybody worked in the shop, if you crashed. It's all around the shop. Everybody's making fun of it. I squashed that so quick. If there is an in- incident that happened, everybody was running over. Are you OK? Is everything OK? Well, the machine don't worry about the machine. Are you OK? Mm-hmm. We
0: can replace that. We can't replace you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the people. People aspect of a crash I think is very often overlooked. Yeah. For sure. And honestly, everybody crashes. If you're saying
1: you haven't crashed before, you're you're lying to yourself. Everything is a crash.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's impossible to go through life as a machinist and not have something happen. And don't be embarrassed. A lot of people have crashed and a lot of people have broke a lot of things.
1: I don't know if I want to tell the story now. I should though. So have you ever used a right angle head before? Uh, once. Yeah. Do you know what direction you have to run those? I think it's backwards, right? Oh, it is backwards. I didn't know that. (laughs) Do you want to ask how many drills I broke? Oh, how many drills did you break? Seven. (laughs) Before I realized and went, that's going the wrong direction. Oh no.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, so, so since you shared that, I will share an equally embarrassing story. Uh, This was like three or four years ago on our Kitamura palette changer. And we were running the same program on both palettes and we had hand coded in the palette change between the, it was just like copy paste palette change. And my business partner had changed it so that it kept the spindle running between palettes because it was such a quick op. And I didn't notice that it didn't turn back on in the next palette. Oh, so I I turned it on. I was like, this is annoying as hell. Like I I hate hearing it run while the palette is changing. So I turned off the spindle before the palette changed, not realizing that it didn't turn back on. And I was listening to music and just, you know, rocking and rolling, trying to get all these parts done. And all of a sudden, the next one I run after making that edit, the animal breaks. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I'm like, I'm just like engraving like a little uh, it like it's a little pocket for an engraving plate to sit in. I'm like, what's well, like 20,000 deep with a quarter inch end mill? Like, that shouldn't break. What the hell? Anyway, I, you know, change the end mill, hit go, runs the first one fine, goes through the pallet change, breaks the end mill again. I'm like, what the hell? I went through like three or four end mills before I was like, oh, the spindle's off. It's just trying to, like, shape with this quarter inch end mill 20,000 deep. And I felt like such an idiot. It was so dumb. And from that um, moment on, I haven't, like, listened, I... I I listen to music still, but I definitely don't listen to music that loud. And I'm very much more cognizant of what's going on. Well, that that sounds like it was in the past. This was like a few days ago.
1: So that's my level of like, we're just <laughs> so busy with like, I bought a house. I'm moving and we're trying to get everything to care of. We have turnkeys up up the wazoo. I'm doing time setting up, talking to customers, helping customers. I'm bouncing around left and right it never dawned on me to go is it spinning in the right direction? Seven drills later went, oh, that's not right. That's still oh, not right. Oh no. What kind of machine was it? I don't want to comment on that.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Because you enough. can
1: figure out what machine it was and I don't want to be flayed <laughs> on social media about it.
0: Okay. that's. I think that's totally fair. Uh, well, that brings us to shop news and new things. What is new in your world? What have you been getting excited about? You know, any, anything that you could share that is new in Yamazin or Brother or anything like that? So, new
1: things that I'm excited about. Honestly, I can't wait for more people to get their hands on a W1000 and D0 so we can like start comparing notes. Um, there are slowly being installed. I do believe there are a total of 14 officially up and running across the nation. Um, there's not a single one in the showroom yet because we can't keep them in stock cuz they get sold right away. Um, that's like the the like I really want to see you or Easton in front of one of them and just like dig into it like hey, let's do this, let's try that because I'm posting a video tomorrow about user parameters. You know how you have your switch one where it breaks down all the settings? Mm-hmm. Well, in the W or the D00, it breaks down to categories. So there's programming, operation, um, manual, there's ATC, there's break, there's all these different categories, and they're all like 10 pages long, so there's so many more
0: options you can play with. That's awesome. That's really handy, because yeah, Switch 1, 2, and 3 don't mean anything to me. No, no. <laughs> so, when I was talking about having
1: that coolant button on, that's a standard feature, that's a toggle on and off now, so it's like, it
0: won't run unless the coolant button's on. That's awesome. That is really cool. Is there any way to so one thing that coming from FANUC controlled machines has always been kind of weird running a brother is there's no way to home the axes like individually you can home everything at once you can home the Z You can't home X you can't home Y is there any way to do that on the D
1: you just broke my brain I've never thought about it like that I've never had the need for it though that's the thing. I don't, I have never thought about doing that. <laughs> because I, I came, from, I'm, I'm still a very bad fanic user. Like I'm used to hitting reset after everything's modified. So on the brother, I fix a program, I hit reset right away. I'm
0: like, uh, I didn't save it. <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, your video about that blew Easton in my mind. The fact that you could save at a, an error or whatever. Yeah. And then jump, uh, never. I, I always thought you had to be, an end number, and that was it.
1: So there is a user parameter. I don't want to lie off the top of my head, but I think it's either 168 or 116 that allows you to bypass your program. So when you do like a restart at a number block, you know, how it goes through the program. Mm-hmm. This will skip it completely. It'll just jump to that block.
0: I, I think mine must be toggled that way because mine. Okay. Doesn't really like it, it doesn't do the tool change back and the tool change forward again. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Be extremely careful with that because I've seen some macros do some really weird things when that's not activated.
0: I only run from tool change position, like I don't put in and numbers in the program. Um, but yeah, like on a fanic control, like if I'm dialing in a hole or something, I would cut the hole and then just home Y towards myself. And on a brother, I've, you know, you, I actually wrote program 26 on mine which homes x y and z in different orientations
1: i have never thought of like that you literally just broke my i'm sitting here going there has to be a way there's a way ryan i'm gonna have to dig into this tomorrow if you figure it out you let me know because i've never been able to figure it out i have never like it it hasn't dawned on me did you know that you can turn off the uh save and continue button uh no i didn't so the F zero button where to save because save and confirm mode, uh-huh. you can turn that off.
0: So it just automatically saves? It automatically saves. Well, now you broke my brain because why have I gotten used to that all these years? <laughs> Normally, like I bring it up to people and they're like, no, we'll just leave it this way. I mean, I'm going to leave it now because I'm so used to saving <laughs> my changes. I'm Plus, it, it's, it has saved my ass multiple times where I'll like overwrite a work offset to like the amount that I meant to change it. And then I'm like, oh shoot. You and do that too? I do that all the time. Yeah. And then I just don't save it and I just jump back in and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Let's we're, not do it good. again. Yeah. We're good to go.
1: Oh man. That's great. well. One more one more new thing. Um, I got in touch with our Fifth Axis rep before Christmas and we were talking about what he has to offer for the Matsuras and all that stuff. I'm like, well, what do you have for brother? He's like, Well, now that you talk about it, so they have like Fifth Axis has an app now that shows you what fits on your machine and literally give you a virtual realization of what can go on your machine and what orientations. Oh, that's cool. So I was blown away by that. And he literally like last week sent me two subplates, like four vices, all for me to just to play around with. So I'm super excited for that because I never had Fifth Axis before because that's like a luxurious brand for me. (laughs)
0: well yeah i'm I'm interested to see how you like it um i had no idea that they had that kind of app but yeah those 96 millimeter plates you know whether it's lang or or uh fifth axis or whoever like they're really nice it's really nice to have for sure i'm excited about that i can't wait to get that. we're just we're so busy i i don't get
1: much time to have fun with
0: right that makes sense uh, well that takes me to the last question I ask every guest which is what did you research this week and it can be machining related it can be baby related it can be anything in between what you know what have you been googling so do you have a 3D printer I do I'm
1: looking at do it you, do you <laughs> use any software to manage it like Ocuprint or anything like that
0: yeah I have, like, o- I have Octoprint on it
1: how cool it would it be to have an open source machine monitoring that'd be great So I've been kicking around with the idea and I'm slowly learning programming to offer something similar to that world that would run off a Raspberry Pi. Okay. So I don't know if you saw my post about the Waze cameras, which by the way, if you want in machine monitoring by Waze camera, they're super cheap. They're waterproof. I literally have a mouse on my house right now. They're great. Um, And I'm thinking about developing something like that. That's that's what I've been researching for like the last like four months.
0: Okay. Is to really to get cool. this
1: off the ground because machine monitoring is very expensive. If you want to, like, an industry like, let's go, like, monitoring for all your machines, you're talking five to six grand to start. And that's not even per machine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for but, sure. But if you can buy a Raspberry Pi, sideload this, you're good to
0: go. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, I, th- I think that that's, there's a lot of companies coming up to do stuff like that. Like, uh, I had peed on from Chatter, and that's, You know, his goal as well is like very inexpensive and easy to use machine monitoring and not like machine metrics where it's like, oh, you know, 10 grand to start. You got to have like six machines on it. It's like, okay great. I'll I'll talk to you when I get six machines. The funny thing you mentioned
1: about that is I was doing all this research and I was getting all the coding. I was learning how to do it. And he reached out to me. He's like, hey, I heard you have access to brothers. Can I have access to one? Uh huh. I was like, do well, you need it for He's like, I'm working on this. Like, I'm working on that too.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, he's a good friend. And uh, it's been cool to see him kind of dive into the C0 more and like brothers in general and learn what Easton and I have been dealing with and talking to him about for a while. So it's cool.
1: From my understanding of what he's been doing, he has officially broke that controller. So it's been a known thing through Yamsen that it's a super controlled controller. You can't get much out of it. From what he's getting out of it, that's completely false now. He, you can get so much out of that controller just seeing what he can do. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, if it's Linux-based, like there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to get every little thing out of it. That When I started talking to him, he was like,
1: yeah, but it's Linux. I'm like, yeah, it is. He's like, I should have access to everything. That I'm like, Okay, keep going. I want to hear this. <laughs> yeah, that's really, really cool. But I think I think that would be really cool. Like low impact, cheap alternatives to some of the higher end stuff. Like, I'm surprised no one has made a 3D printed tool setter yet.
0: Yeah. yeah even just or, like a rough tool setter or like tool breakage check. Yeah. I mean,
1: you can make it fine tuning and program as much as you want. Or like, I'm surprised no one made a probe
0: yet. Yeah. yeah I think it would be really interesting. Like it, it can't be that
1: expensive to do
0: well I mean I, I know I've seen a lot of really low cost probing options come out of like China and Russia um, so I, I think that it's on the fringes I just don't think that it's kind of made it I, I don't know that anybody that has the intelligence to do it also has the time to start screwing around with it, it maybe is the, the the issue
1: that may be coming wink wink wink
0: wink <laughs> well I, I i hope that you do have the time because that would be really cool this was awesome we got to do this again yeah i'm totally down to have you back on thank you so much i would um, love to have easton on so we can make fun of them the whole time <laughs> well i i know uh easton has mentioned that we should have like a brother speedio you know therapy session for everybody and that, that, that could be a fun episode, though. I think yeah, I'm going to need to talk to somebody after that right angle head. I'm definitely going to have to <laughs> sit down.
1: You don't know how stupid and small I felt because I walked out and went, oh, eh, yep, you're dumb. Yep.
0: Time to go home. You know what, though? I bet you you'll never make that mistake again. Uh, yeah, I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ryan, I really appreciate it. Uh, In closing, new Patreon thank yous to Eric Long. Thank you so much, Eric, for joining the podcast. Um, You know, backers like you help me get awesome guests like Ryan on and get to do great interviews like this. So thank you all for backing the Patreon and the show. And thanks again, Ryan. I really appreciate the time.
1: Not a problem. And if anybody needs to contact me about anything brother-related, look on any social media. It's probably the CNC guy, Ryan, on TikTok instagram linkedin and youtube now
0: awesome well thanks everyone for listening i'll be back next week